you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior. And we're just honored, honored to be able to come across uh, your airwaves. Thanks for tuning us in. Thanks for taking the opportunity to be part of this broadcast. And uh, we've been going along. We've been covering the life of Christ. We find ourselves in the book of John right now. We're still in John chapter 5. Exciting stuff is going on. They're out to persecute Jesus. Everything. Boy, there's a world full of people who want to persecute us, Kevin. How are you doing today? Brother, I'm doing great. I love love what I get to do for the Lord. Love being on with wounded spirits, getting to start yeah. the chapters and and just help manage what the st- things that God lets me do. Amen. And you know, a lot of great news going on here. So Kevin and I, I'm going to be up front with you folks. We just went down to a Harris Teeter and uh, got a prime rib supper. So I know you're saying, well, it's a grocery store. It's a high-end Kroger. I, let me tell you something. There was every bit. Every bit of two pounds on each of our plates. <laughs> I don't know how they could do it. It was like cutting into a cow. Sixteen ninety nine, folks. Sixteen. That's all I'm saying. Sixteen ninety nine. You could feed a family of four. You could feed you a could. village in Ethiopia, brother. I mean, there's enough protein there for a village. You know, shouting, man. a platoon size element. And uh, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, as we go on with our fourth grade riddles, and I, I just want to know. Let me know. You can even PM me. Let me know if you're answering these quicker than Kevin. I want you to really. Now this one's easy. All right. I mentioned it a minute ago to Kevin. This one I probably could get. But which king uh, liked to do things on his own? Um, on his own. On his own. Um, so let's so think it's a play about on that. words. So, yeah. Which um, king likes to do things on his own? So wait a minute, I hear something. Do you give up? I give up, bro. All right, Solomon. Solomon. <laughs> Solomon. 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 Yeah. Hey, yeah. folks, I can't help it. That's just. <laughs> That's just what, it's been better than they were the first few days of last week. So we're in Monday. We already had a good one on Monday. So they're coming along. We just want to shout out again to Zach Knight, all of our friends out there. God bless you guys. We're just so honored again. So we look at John chapter five. And when you're looking at the life of Christ, you got to do a few things, right? You got to, you got to first go on and look at uh, what God did, where he lived. And we know that prior to the book of John, that, that Christ, we, we, we see that he was born to a virgin. We see that he lived his life and somewhere along the way as a teenager he he got lost man mom left him somewhere you know he got left at the temple you know the other kid there was probably a bunch of kids in that family kevin we may not know the whole limits but you know how it is sometime you load up the chrysler and you take off down the road someone's missing man and uh, but here's the thing that misses. we left him at the store yeah can you imagine this though uh, can you imagine joseph's face wait a minute are you telling me we left jesus why did we leave james or john 
God. <laughs> Why don't we leave one of the? We left the Lord there. I mean, that must have been some crazy stuff, folks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so we know all that's going on. And then all of a sudden, Christ is about 30 years old, and he's showing up on the scene. He's ready for his ministry, and he shows up at a, uh, at a wedding, and uh, they needed wine and things of that nature. We've already covered that. And as we go along, here we are in John chapter 5, starting in verse 16. And coming up to John chapter 5, we ran across this nobleman. He showed up. His son was uh, uh, needed help. Before that, we had the guy laying at the pool of Bethesda. And that guy couldn't get in the waters when they were troubled. But he didn't need the waters. All he needed was Jesus. And, yeah. boy, Jesus got that guy right. He carried his mattress, Kevin. He threw his bed on his back, and he <laughs> took off. And he wasn't going to leave his bed. Man, you don't leave your bed anywhere. And let me tell you what. I, I slept on the ground one time for months in the Army. I, I slept in bad places. And let me tell you, if you got a bed, you throw it on your back. And it upset the Jews. It upset the Pharisees. They're like, who does that guy think he is carrying his bed on the Lord's day? And they, they didn't realize that the Lord was there. He kind of fixed those things up. Then the nobleman comes. My son's dying. He's begging. He's praying. He doesn't realize when he's praying, it's, it's going to God. And part of that trinity is right there on earth and uh, and god just saves his son because of his belief and here where the nobleman went back and he believed his family believed people got right with god they were shouting and pouting just like we saw over there in chapter four the woman at the well when you look at the life of christ christ is changing lives and i don't care if you have ptsd or adhd or whatever your d is or ocd or like me d-u-m-b god can change your life man he can make a difference in your life and and that's what we're talking about here and here we are where so we're carrying on from that spot john chapter 5 verse 16 and therefore did the jews persecute jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on a sabbath day but jesus answered them my father worketh here too, and i work therefore the jews sought more to kill him because he had only had broken this not only had broken the sabbath but said also that god was his father making himself equal with god that upset him then answered Jesus, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, and what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and show him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. We serve a great God. And here's, here's God, Jesus the Son, going out there saying, Listen, I, I'm glad it's Sabbath. That's one of my days. You need to worship my father and me. You need to get this right. I know what day it is. I'm not stupid. I can't do anything without God showing up on the scene and allowing me to do it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on here, Kevin, but the first thing that comes to my mind again is religion. I, I know we beat that horse, and that's a horse that needs some beating. But uh, we come along, and, and these folks are mad. It's a prideful thing, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, just, uh, again... We see God doing things, and religionists resenting the uh, being upstaged. You know, when you feel like you have a system that runs so well without God, they they can really get their feathers ruffled when when God does show up. And it's sad, but it's it really ought to bring us to repentance if we find that we are running well without God, and then God does something. We we need to humble ourselves at that point, but yeah. it's it's not it's not human nature to humble ourselves. But God knows how to. Well, I know this. If we don't, if I don't humble myself when God's hand is is bringing me down, 
He will humiliate me. He will allow me to be humiliated. And and ultimately, that's what happens to the lost world that rejects Jesus Christ. At the great white throne judgment, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, 21, that uh, they will be stand naked before God, a holy God, and at that point, before everyone else before the multitudes be humiliated that what they thought was so big of a reason to reject God and do it on their own was actually uh, falsehood. But um, it's interesting that when the religious crowd did this, that Jesus immediately answered and said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. So he is saying, look, y'all been running this thing. You feel you got to like grease like a machine. Let me tell you, my father's always been doing his work, and I'm doing that work. So if if I'm interfering with you, my father's inter- been interfering yeah. with you. Yeah. And um, then that it says in verse 18, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. They re- resented it more because not only did he break uh, the Sabbath in their view, but said also that God was his father. So the fact that he called God his father is interesting because doctrinally, um, to say God is your father in this context is is making yourself equal with God. In other words, sonship equals equality in the mind of the Jews. Yeah. So um, this was an assertion of his deity, of his equality with God by calling God his father. So any religion that says, oh, we believe Jesus is the Son of God, but don't believe he's God the Son, Doug, that means that they are missing the point of what the Son of God is because it in, in biblical language, it's, it's not only... It's, it's not the offspring of God. It, it, that's the kind of sons that we are. But with the Son of God, the only begotten, he is, he is God the Son. And that's yeah. what gave it's an obvious statement of deity because the Jews here took it as blasphemy, making himself equal with God. Yeah, that's some pretty great information there because here's the deal, brother. Look at Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's the son. But the president said, no, I, I know nothing what he's doing. I, I don't know. You know, that's more messed up than a soup sandwich. Let me tell you what, they're, they're thick as thieves. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, that I hate to say this, but the truth is when you have a son, and you're hooked up with that son, and you love that son. That son has what dad has. And uh, and when it comes to God, Jesus is God as well. So we're going to see in a couple minutes as we move forward into tomorrow, we're going to read about what he has to talk about. But think about if God stopped working on the Sabbath. Well, everybody on earth stops breathing. Everybody, the angels aren't directing us. Things aren't going on. Folks, you could write a hymn about that, but I'm here to tell you God has a plan, and his plan always goes back to his son, Jesus Christ, saving us and doing a work in our lives. We'll be right back. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. So folks, here I am again with points, you know, (laughs) 
Whenever you go through scripture like that, they're not alliterated. So I want you to know that if you call my professor, Walter Yoho, who did homiletics with me and taught me how to alliterate, he'd be kind of mad at me right now. But I want to, some of the things that are going on there, this is what comes to my mind. There's an opposition of the truth by the Jewish folks because they're so religious. They're so hung up on their religion. They're so hung up on their superstitions, which is another word for religion, is, uh, man, we got to do this on this day because somebody said that 300 years ago who said it to someone else who said it to someone else, and we believe in both the written and the verbal thing, only verbal sometimes because Sadducees are mostly verbal. And uh, all the, you know, can you imagine the craziness of religion? So the first thing we see here is opposition to the truth. We can't let that happen in our lives. Folks, we're not going to be part of that. The second thing I think we see is this uh, religious legalism and Christ is challenging that, right? So we see this, well, it's, it's, you know, it's the Sabbath. We're going to have to crucify you. Uh, you've got a problem. We're going to jail you. There's something going on. And Christ's like, hey, hang on, Skippy, whatever the father does. <laughs> I do. Why don't you know? I you know. I wish we serve a wonderful, just God. If I had been Christ, and I'm not, and I never could be close to it. I'm just making a point here. Um, I think I would have stopped one of their hearts or something, then started it up a few minutes later, <laughs> just to shut everybody up. But God had a plan that it involved believing the way He was as a human. Then sonship with a quality to God, which Kevin was just talking about. I have the divine nature. I have a quality with God, as Kevin just mentioned. His dependence upon the Father. Hey, the Holy Trinity works together, folks. Can I say something to you? Jesus ministers to you through the Holy Spirit, and uh, God the Father ministers to you through the Holy Spirit. It's just not the Holy Spirit in your heart, and 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 you know God's love and revelation here. There's greater works. Kevin, I could I could go on for a long time about what I'm seeing in this scripture, but it keeps on coming back to me, brother, with this thought. Boy, we better learn something practically out of this. And what we better learn is it's about God. It's not about what we like. It's not about what we feel like. It's not about uh, those things we've come to know. It's about what the Bible says, right? It's, it's not, uh, if we're not careful, we can turn our relationship with God into a terrible religion. Mm. Yeah, that's what was going on here. By the way, what's the last verse we're looking at today? I don't want twenty. To, okay, I don't. I know. To, I want to go to twenty-one too. I should have picked. I should have picked it, brother. I'm no, sorry. No, we'll chomp at the bit till tomorrow. Uh, yeah. But now this whole passage of scripture is so rich, and um, Jesus talking about his relationship to his Father, and and I want to run to this thought. Jesus, you know, as all the times he talks about the Father love of the Son hath committed all judgment uh, to his hand. So, you know, getting ahead of myself here, or getting ahead of us. But, um, you know, verse 19, that's part of our text. Uh, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, that for what things soever he doeth, that these also doeth the Son likewise. So just that relationship. I mean, if you think about the Trinity, how close is God the Father to God the Son? How close is, and we mentioned this a few weeks ago, how, how much does God the Son uh, enjoy the, the favor and acceptance of his Father? A hundred percent. There's nothing in between them. The Son earns it. He merits it. His, just everything about him, the, he is altogether lovely. He, I, the Father is well pleased with him. And Jesus himself said, I do only the things that please him. I came not to do my own will, but the will of my Father which has sent me. So he's just, he's the perfect performer. And then Jesus later on said, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Wow. 
So that just, that arrested me back in 1982, one night after vacation Bible school, when I said, God, what should I spend my life doing? I'm getting ready to go back to college in a couple weeks, back to Westchester uh, University, and I, 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 I just feel something missing. And when I recognized those, the, these verses that we're reading here, uh, just tied so well with the Father's love for me, then I, and I, I mentioned this, like I said, a few weeks ago, we have um, nothing better to live for than to propagate and show that love to the world. And so I'm, I'm personally grateful that God's put me in this itinerant ministry where I can be kind of like in the mode of Jesus, going from one town to another, leaving the, 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 a trail, hopefully, of, of um, people that are plugged in through the cross of Christ into the same love that the Father has for his son. Yeah, yeah, there's so much to bite on in what you just said. There's, there's a lot going on there, the, the personal transformation and trajectory change. And we all kind of need to have that point in our life, right, where we, where we stop and say, you know, God, what are you doing with my life? What should mm. I be doing with my life? That's a hard, I mean, that must have been a hard decision. How old were you then? I was 20 years old, just turned 20. Not, um, yeah, just, I was still, you know, just almost a teenager. I still went to the youth group at church, but uh, I, I, it was not a real hard decision. It was really hard. But when I realized I was 100% acceptable to God, as much as his own son. In other words, my relationship with his son made God 100% good with me. So I didn't have to think God's mad at me. I didn't have to think like I need to perform better. It was just a matter of yielding to the love of God. And um, yeah, it's, it sounds kind of goofy, but it's, it's, it's not goofy. It's the reality. If you know that the, your creator, the creator of the universe that owns, that holds everyone else's breath and heartbeat in their hand is good with you and is going to look out for you, then you can launch out into anything. And, and then it became, why am I going to settle for second best? And I just knew God wanted me in a ministry at that moment. And then I went to the pastor and said, Pastor, how do you know you called to the ministry? He said, well, preach Wednesday. And I preached, <laughs> I preached and I had something to say. So yeah. uh, that's, what, that's what happened to me too. I <laughs> You know, said, I feel called to preach. Next thing I knew, I, and I was given like junior church, which was an actual thing in our church where we had church upstairs, but we didn't have enough room. So fifth grade or sixth grade and below was downstairs with me. And that, yeah, so that's a good thought. And, and again, you know, God's going to come to every one of us. It's not going to be exactly the same way. No. You know, uh, but he comes and he comes at God's timing is perfect. And, but I'm reminded over and over again, as I look at this, that, you know, that truth can face opposition. That's just the reality of it. The truth of God's word is going to require you to, to stand your toes up to some pretty evil, awful things and look them in the face and know that you serve a great and wonderful God and, and trust in his plan. And no matter what it would be, say, I'm leaving. Uh, you know, I'm not going to Westchester next year. I'm going over here to Bible college or something. Yep. That's big. Your family looked at you like you were crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. They were, um, they thought I was being a fanatic. But, um, you know, God God had really shown up and did some great things by then. So uh, I, I think that by the time I actually announced it, the response from my parents was, 
I, we thought something like this. You know, we just kind of smelled that there was some, something <laughs> big coming. So they didn't feel it, it was nuclear. It was not a, It was not all negative. But my siblings and so forth, you know, they were like, what in the world? Oh, man, I remember going into the general and saying, listen, I'm, I'm retiring right away. I, I feel like God's called me back to the ministry. I went to Montgomery C. Miggs, Monty Miggs. He just went to heaven last year, a good guy, maybe the year before. He just got buried recently. And up at Arlington National Cemetery, there's a bit of a waiting list for that, but a wonderful general, wonderful man, godly Christian. I'll never forget his answer. I was expecting some kind of pushback, something like that. I, I, I knew Monty for many years, and uh, he said, well, if God's calling you to do something, you better do it, Sergeant Major. Wow. And I'll, I'll never forget that. That was his words. If God's calling you to do something, it doesn't matter what we want here in the Army. Folks, I want to remind you, on September 11th through 15th, drop whatever you're doing. Uh, fill up the minivan. Come on up there to uh, uh, Camp Joy, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Wisconsin. Call there today. Talk to Mr. Moore. Make a reservation. Be part of this. Flyers are hitting mailboxes all over the country. Make sure you get a good reservation. We want to be with you. We sure do love you, folks. We hope as we look at the life of Christ and see what Jesus went through, man, there's some minuscule things in our life that we say, man, we've got it tough. No, wait a minute. Our Lord and Savior was crucified for us. Go out there and wear a smile like you know that today. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.